Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Four Person Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are your enthusiastic and faithful Catholic apostolate. For more information about what we do, go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog site at thefourpersons.net. To call in tonight with your comment or question, dial 515-602-9655. The number, again, is 515-602-9655. Looking for a Catholic counselor? Dr. Peter Claponis, Deb Rojas, and the team at Integrity Counseling Services provide faithful Catholic counseling in Pennsylvania and beyond. We offer telehealth and in-person counseling for porn addiction, betrayal trauma, anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, and much more. You can find us at IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. That's IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. Looking for a Catholic counselor or coach? Dr. Fred Boley provides faithful Catholic counseling and coaching for men in Missouri and beyond. He conveniently offers telehealth services for anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, or just getting stuff done. You can find him at stbarn.org or 872-269-1280. Once again, the number is 872-269-1280. Catholic recording artist, multi-award winning songwriter. She sings contemporary and folk rock music. She has been in the music industry for over five years. Her music is her ministry. She aims to help people that suffer from all kinds of pain in life and try to bring them to the Lord through her music. She has three albums out and her music is being played on radio stations all over the world. Her website is lisamarinacole.com and she is on social media. Her music page is facebook.com Lisa Songs of Worship. YouTube at Lisa M. Nicole. Instagram Lisa underscore Marie underscore Nicole underscore official. Her songs can be purchased on her website, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and everywhere else. Her merchandise store has everything for her ministry and can be accessed through her website. Her new CDs will be available very soon and can be purchased through her website. She counts herself blessed that God has chosen her to help spread his message. She is Lisa Marie Nicole. Get her music today. The Four Persons Inc. is a licensed 501c3 nonprofit. All rights reserved. No use of our content is allowed by law without our permission. Our goal is to bring you the very best Catholic content possible. Going forward, we will continue to bring you the best apologists, educational programming, devotionals, and live charitable and social outreach and activism. However, we cannot continue to bring this great programming without your help. All of our members are volunteering their time and efforts, but the hosting, programs, licensing, and subscriptions needed to keep this going costs money. Right now, our credit card platform is not yet operational, but you can still send your tax-deductible gift to the Four Persons Inc. P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. That donation address again is the Four Persons Inc. P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. If you are interested in advertising on our shows or have any questions or comments of any kind, email us at email at thefourpersons.com or call us at 240-728-6531. 
And now, welcome to Catholicism Rocks, brought to you by our friends at CatholicismRocks.com. This is our weekly Sunday night show dedicated to the premise that there is nothing better than being a Catholic. Us as we live out our vocations. 
So that's a question you can ask yourself. You can say, how can I glorify God in my daily life? Are there any particular graces I should ask God to bestow on me? That's a, that's one of the that's the first promise of Jesus saying that if you promote my sacred heart, this is what I'll do. The second promise is I will establish peace in their homes. Uh, Saint Gerard Magella, an 18th century Italian brother, said, "Who can give you peace? Has the world ever been able to satisfy the heart?" As Christians, we know that God can give us great peace even in the midst of trials. Through the love of, from his sacred heart, Jesus wants to lessen our burdens, calm our fears, and comfort our souls. Now, the question for this one is, where do I turn when I'm anxious? Do I seek the peace that only Christ can give? I know that there's a, uh, a novena called the Surrender Novena. And then the Surrender Novena, it has nine days, and each one of them says, uh, you have to say, after each one of them, you have to say, Jesus, I surrender myself to you, take care of everything. And Jesus is the only one that can give you peace for your anxiety. Third promise is, I will comfort them in all their afflictions. St. Alphonsa in the Immaculate Conception I said of the uh, St. Alphonse of the Immaculate Conception, a 20th century Indian saint said, no matter what my sufferings may be, I will never complain. And if I have to under, undergo any humiliation, I will seek refuge in the sacred heart of Jesus. When we have any type of suffering, whether physical pain, concern of our family, financial problems, or anything else, we can turn to the sacred heart of our Lord in Matthew 11:28. Jesus said, "Come to me, all who, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give them rest." This is still true 20,000 years, 2,000 years later. Question for this is: When I do face trials, do I unite them with the Lord? Do I seek God's solace in my sorrows? The fourth promise is. I will be their secure refuge during life, and above all, in death. In Romans 14.8, St. Paul says, If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. How comforting these words are. We are the Lord's, like a loving earthly parent who holds their child. God wants to be our security and our home. He wants us to desire him to care for us. And he desperately wants our eternal home to be with him in heaven. That's a, a wonderful thing that St. Paul wrote. And we are the Lord's. So a question for this is, as I journey through my life, do I focus more on temporal matters or on my eternal soul? What can I do today to bring my heart in better alignment with the sacred heart? The fifth promise, I will bestow abundant blessings upon all their undertakings. St. Margaret Mary uh, said, it is plainly evident that there is no one in the world who will not receive all kinds of heavenly blessings if they have true love of Jesus Christ manifested by the devotion uh, to the sacred heart of Jesus. Our Lord in his boundless love cares about each one of us and wants to bless us individually. As long as our wills align with God's will, he will bless our endeavors, especially if we honor his most sacred heart. How do I give my time to God? Do I ask God works through me in my daily tasks? That's a question for us there. The sixth promise is Sinners will find my heart the source and infinite ocean of mercy. In Romans 5.8, Paul says, God shows his love for us and that we were, were yet sinners. Christ died for us. The very fact that Jesus, God himself, died for sinners tells us how much he loves us. And no matter our sins, Jesus waits for us to return to him. In the precious gift of sacramental confession, Jesus cleanses us from our sins so we can better reflect his image. The question for this one is, do I give mercy to others or do I hold on to resentments? 
if you haven't forgiven any everybody in your life, then you are still holding on to resentments. So please forgive, forgive, forgive. Seventh promise. Lukewarm souls shall become fervent. As Christians, we should never be lukewarm in our faith. Revelation 3, 15, 16 says that. It says, if you are lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. And the goodness of Jesus' Jesus' sacred heart, he wants to inspire us to grow continually closer to him. Being a Christian is not a part-time endeavor. With Jesus' help, we can grow in our faith and God, God, love God more every day. This is not a one-time thing. This is a full-time thing. The question we have here, as St. Teresa of Avila says, the lukewarm do not embrace the cross. They merely drag it along. Do I take all of my concerns and thoughts to God, asking for his help and growing closer to him? The eighth promise, fervent souls shall quickly mount to high perfection. In Romans 12, uh, uh, verse 10 and 11, St. Paul says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal. Be aglow with the Spirit. Serve in the Lord. Serve the Lord. For those who are firm in their faith, there is always room to grow closer to our Lord, to be aglow with the Spirit every day of our lives, every moment we have an opportunity to love Him more. He wants us to burn with love for Him because He is That is how he loves us. As Mother Angelica once said, I want you to breathe Jesus. Think of Jesus. I want you to talk to Jesus. I want you to be Jesus-oriented. Every day, with the help of a sacred heart, we can grow more Jesus-oriented. The reflection on this question is, is my heart on fire for the Lord? In what ways am I using my gifts to advance the kingdom of God? The ninth promise, I will bless every place in which an image of my heart is exposed and honored. The Catholic faith fills our senses with the senses, sounds of Gregorian chant, the smell of incense, the feeling of a rosary in our hands. As we are physical beings, our faith is increased by our senses. This is why sacred images are so important. They raise our hearts and minds to heaven. Pope Leo XIII said, There is in the sacred heart the symbol and express image of the infinite love of Jesus Christ, which moves us to love in return. As we look at images of Jesus' sacred heart, it moves us to love him as he burns with love for us. The question on this one is, do I often look at the sacred heart of the Lord? Do I meditate on his love for me? If you have that image in your house, look at it. Tenth promise is, I will give to priests the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. St. John Vianney, the 19th century French priest, said, The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. And when you see a priest, think of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the sacred heart, priests can reach people gently showing them the love of Christ. Without priests, we wouldn't have most of the sacraments, which is why we should never take the priesthood for granted. And we should always pray that they align their hearts with the heart of Christ. Priests are wonderful. We have three priests in my parish that are phenomenal. So the question here for is, do I appreciate my parish priest? How can I encourage priests in their vocation? Because uh, in 1970, there were 59,000 priests in the United States, and today there's about 35,000. Priesthood has, has, vocations have gone down, down, downhill. There's cities in America today that have combined parishes. I think in New York, they, went, they combined them to half. In Detroit, they combined them in half. So instead of your local parish, now you have to drive much further to your parish. So that's what's really, really sad. Now, it says here on the 11th promise, those who shall promote this devotion 
shall have their names written in my heart. How wonderful it is to hear that our names could be written on Jesus' heart. And he asks so little in return. He wants us to promote the sacred heart. If we have an image hanging in our house, or mention this devotion to friends, or share a sacred heart quote with our Bible study group, we are promoting this devotion. In return, our Lord will reward us a hundredfold with our names written on his sacred heart. So please promote the sacred heart image and you will get your name written in Jesus' heart. The question is, how can I share the message of Jesus' sacred heart? Well, I used to teach classes in Catholic apologetics and I'm going to send this out to everyone on that list. 280 people. The 12th promise is, I promise you in the excess of mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace, nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. This is perhaps the greatest promise of them all. If we receive Holy Communion on nine consecutive First Fridays, Jesus' heart will be our safe refuge in this last moment. Since Jesus died for us on Good Friday, it is fitting that we offer him a small offering by making the nine First Fridays. There is nothing more wonderful on this earth than receiving our Lord and the Most Holy Eucharist. And Jesus' health himself wants to share this communion with us, particularly as we honor his sacred heart. The question is, have I considered making my first Fridays? How could they strengthen my love for the sacred heart of Jesus? Now, the 12 promises of the sacred heart of Jesus were given by Jesus to Sister Mary, Margaret Mary Alokay's story. In 1864, uh, 1674, that's when the first thing, and Poland actually was the first country that said the the sacred heart of Jesus, they they put it as a, 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 a feast day. Poland was the first country to do that. The second country uh, to do that um, um, was it was Poland, and the second one was um, let me see. Hold on a second. The second one was um, uh, it's always held on the first Friday after after Corpus Christi. Um, uh, it was October the twentieth, sixteen seventy two. Uh, St. John Oudes, the founder of the Congregation of the Congregation of Jesus and Mary, composed the Mass himself and asked that it be celebrated in all 13 houses. Poland was the first country to institute the feast. This was confirmed by Pope Pius XII in his encyclical Horatius Aquas. Um, the first uh, feast became universal in 1856. In a decree from the Sacred Heart of Rites on August 23, 1856, Pope Pius IX established the feast for the Universal Church. It was direct response to the request of French bishops who wanted the feast to be celebrated in all parts of the world. So that's what the Sacred Heart of Jesus is. And that's what the month of June has been for centuries. It's for centuries. But guess what? Our country... And uh, lots of countries in the world celebrate pride this month. And what is pride? Well, pride was the sin that Lucifer and one-third of the angels did. They said, we want to be like God, and that's pride. And uh, turned angels into devils. That's what pride did. It turned angels into devils. Today, we have uh, priests that go around and and say all kinds of things that are not true. Uh, There's a priest 
um, uh, you know, the Pride uh, Parade has been first uh, was done in New York in 1970 for the Stonewall riots that happened there. And they've been doing it ever since. And there's so much that many cities do the Pride Parade. They do it in uh, they do it in um, New York. They do it in Boston. They do it in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. They do it in um, um, Massachusetts. They do it in um, two cities in Boston. <laughs> they do it in um, Baltimore. They do it in Washington D.C. They do it in Norfolk, Virginia, Athens, Georgia, uh, Potake, Kentucky, Columbus, Ohio, Detroit, uh, Chicago, Minneapolis, New Orleans, Houston, San Antonio, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Denver, Colorado, Los Angeles, California, San Francisco, of course. Seattle, um, it's really, really sad that they're promoting sin because that's what pride is. It is sin. And the, the, the pride that goes on is, is it's a double standard uh, because you can be proud of your children. You can be proud that you're Catholic. You can be proud that you... Uh, did something that the Holy Spirit worked through you, but you got to give glory to God on everything. Um, Trent Horn on Catholic Answers uh, put together a thing that um, he was talking about Father James Martin. He's a Jesuit priest that goes around the world and he pushes homosexuality. Well, it says people say you shouldn't celebrate Pride Month. Pride is a sin. And Father Martin will say, well, we know that LGBT people mean by pride is not vanity. It means a sense of dignity and worth. So what is he doing? He's saying that uh, it's okay to be proud that you're Irish. You can, you can be proud that you're a Catholic. It's okay to be proud that you're an American because I'm proud to be an American, or at least I know I'm free. But it's a weaker argument. It's not the one that we should be led because when Father Martin takes it up and knocks it down, it's really a straw in a straw manner. It's a weaker argument for the claim that Catholics should not fly the pride flag because my primary argument is Catholics should not promote symbols that are antithetical to the Catholic faith. We don't fly pentagrams. We don't fly swastikas. We don't promote the crescent moon, which is a symbol of Islam. And even if there was a tragedy involving a Muslim community or Satanist community, it would not show those symbols to show solidarity with these individuals because those symbols represent something that directly contradicts the Catholic faith. And so what Father Martin does and others like him, you'll see Catholics who have the rainbow flag in their social media handles like that. They'll say, no, this doesn't mean that homosexual conduct is okay or promoting the same-sex marriage. It means that people should be treated with dignity regardless of their sexual orientation or identity. So let me just play Father Martin's argument why Catholics can celebrate Pride Month, and I'll dig deeper into the argument that it makes. Father Martin says, the Catechism of the Catholic Church asks us to treat LGBTQ people with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. And participating in pride events, or at least supporting our LGBTQ friends, is one way to do this. Well, he's right. We should have respect, compassion, sensitivity for those who struggle with disordered attractions or disordered senses of identity. We should be respectful. We shouldn't use slurs. One thing you should avoid, and I alluded it to a little bit in the documentary, the Father Mark documentary, I talked about on Monday, this is Trent Horn speaking, when you talk about LGBTQ issues, talk about it with sensitivity. Even if there are people with who you don't identify as LGBT because they may be struggling with these things. And so we need compassion, sensitivity there. 
but I'm going to support pride parades, which are not merely a celebration of the inherent dignity of individuals. They are a celebration of flaunting, of provocation, flaunting of immorality, and they celebrate sex outside of marriage, sodomy. They celebrate these behaviors as goods. They celebrate distorting what marriage is. That is what these events are proud of and why it's scandalous for Catholics to be involved in them. Father Martin also said, and just because you celebrate pride doesn't mean you have to agree with every video, every article, or even every float in a parade has to say. It's more about supporting the fundamental human rights of this community. Okay, so that's essentially his argument. And what you'll hear other people say who are Catholic, who have the rainbow flag in their social media handles, they'll say, well, I'm not saying that these people are, that, that, that there are people that are for them. The flag means pro-same-sex marriage, pro-sodomy. These things are moral goods. When I fly a rainbow flag, Father Martin will say, or other Catholics will follow his kind of ambiguous teachings. They will say that what it means to me is that people who identify as LBGT have human dignity. And so we ought to respect their human dignity and treat them with respect, compassion, sensitivity, as the catechism says. But here is the problem with that argument, is that those same people, these same people refuse to accept the explanation for other symbols that they say Catholics cannot fly or that they cannot promote because these symbols are antithetical to the Catholic faith. I'll give you two examples. The first one would be the Confederate flag. So this is an article from the National Catholic Reporter. This is a few years ago. Might have been after the Charleston shooting. I'm not sure. But National Cathedral, uh, National Cathedral to remove Confederate flag images on June 9th, 2016. So there's a picture of the stained glass window. I'm sure it's been removed by now. This was six years ago. This is in the Washington National Cathedral, which will replace the depiction of the Confederate flag in its stained glass windows. The board of the cathedral announced the decision June 8th, almost a year after the South Carolina governor ordered the Confederate flag removed from the state house grounds. The governor's action followed the fatal June 17th shootings, the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston. Okay, so the idea that there that was a Confederate flag is removed because of some people. The Confederate flag is a symbol of slavery. It is a symbol of racism. I've never met people like this. I have met people that for them, the pride flag is a symbol of, symbol of the moral goodness of homosexual conduct. I meet lots of people who they'll say, that's what the flag means to them. So that at least encourages me why we ought not to fly the flag. I've actually never met somebody that, for them, the Confederate flag is a symbol of racism and a symbol we need to bring back slavery or something like that. I'm sure there are people out there like that. I've never personally met them, but I don't hang out with racist people. So there you go. But the idea here is that even if there are some people, some awful evil people who will shoot black people in a church and promote the Confederate flag while they do it. Those are terrible people. The fact that they exist and the Confederate flag refers to racism for them means that the flag has just a, has racist, even if it was that way in history. It does no, not matter what you think the flag means to you. The fact that for some people the flag represents the evil of segregation and slavery means no Catholic should fly this flag. Let me point out to you another article here. This is from... I think it's an evangelical, evangelical liberal magazine. The author here, Eric Martin, is Catholic, and he wrote an article called The Catholic Church Has a Visible White Power Faction. Well, there's a restrained journalist for you. All right. He says, here once persecuted, uh, he says, here once persecuted by the Ku Klux Klan, some Catholics now embrace the most extreme forms of racial hatred. Now, this article was actually controversial. The Catholic Church has a visible white power faction by Eric Martin. It was published in August of 2020, during the summer of protests that came after the killing of George Floyd. This is controversial, and there is an editor's note here related to a correction with the article. So it was taken down and put back up because Martin got something important really wrong. It says here, an earlier version of this article claimed that the writer of the document 
open wide our hearts, the enduring call to love, a pastoral letter against racism, which is a document from the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, that earlier, his original article, Martin said that the bishops were silent on three symbols of racism, swastikas, confederate flags, and nooses. This is not true. So originally, Martin said that the bishops promote racism because they said nothing about nooses, swastikas, or confederate flags. The actual language of the document said that the reappearance of symbols of hatred, such as nooses and swastikas in public spaces, is a tragic indicator of rising racial and ethnic animus. So they did condemn the noose and swastika, but they did not condemn the confederate flag. And Martin says this does not go far enough. The bishops later said that the Confederate flag, they did not include that as a symbol of hatred because they said some still claim it, the Confederate flag, as a sign of heritage. So Martin absolutely will not accept this. He says that this logic is indefensibly hand waves the history of slavery, murders, opposition to civil rights, and violence, like the recent shooting in Charleston, as a vaguely benign heritage. No, that is not what the bishops are saying here. And he is mad that they won't condemn the Confederate flag because his, in his perspective, the Confederate flag, the flag that some people will consider it, it's a symbol of hatred and an evil. The fact that for other people, the Confederate flag is just a symbol of heritage and there's nothing wrong with it doesn't matter. The fact that some people use it for evil means no Catholic should use it. It's scandalous. But then the same argument applies to the rainbow pride flag. I will tell Father Martin and others, okay, just because you and other people, the rainbow flag, it just means the inherent dignity of all people, including LGBT, LG, uh, LBGT people. Most people, if you ask people at a pride parade, 99% of them will tell you the flag means love is love and that you shouldn't judge people. There's nothing wrong with homosexuality. There's nothing disordered about being transgendered. LGBT people have the right to marry. Marriage can be its own, be its own, any two people. They will tell you that is what the flag means. And that's the people who created the flag. That is what they meant by, is created by self-identified gay men in San Francisco in the 1960s. All right, the flag originally had hot pink into it to symbolize sexuality, and they dropped it because that's really expensive fabric. <laughs> so... Okay, the argument that the Catholics can't fly the Confederate flag or have it in their social media icon because it's related in some way, even if it's only a minority of people, that is used as a symbol of evil, even if some people use the Confederate flag as a symbol of evil of racism. And if there's this, these liberal Catholics like Father Martin would say, you shouldn't have a Confederate flag because it's connected to racism that way by a minority of people. By that logic, Father Martin refutes his own position that Catholics should not have the rainbow flag because the majority, the near unanimous consensus of the people who fly the rainbow flag put it on social media as the affirmation of truths that continue, contradict the Catholic faith about homosexual conduct, transgender identity, the nature of marriage, even just the nature of sex outside of marriage. Because these people would also say that it believes that fornication is okay, prostitution is right. I think many of them would even affirm that even though, though they call it sex work. But, so there you have the hypocrisy of, then I will give you one other example for the liberal Catholics who say it's fine to have a pride flag because it means this, means, means to me this. They don't accept that for the Confederate flag, and that's another symbol. They will not accept it for, and that is a MAGA hat. Remember the MAGA hats? That was a hat made popular by President Trump's campaign and president. The red hat that says, make American great again. That's weird. I have to explain. I'm sure you know what a MAGA hat is, but in case you don't, there was an article in the Catholic magazine Commonweal by Molly Wilson O'Reilly that the article's title is Suiting Up for Team Racist. I love the titles that come up with these things. Catholics should call it out. And O'Reilly says, if you're Catholic, you cannot wear a MAGA hat. You just cannot because it's racist. End of discussion. This was published June, February 7th, 7th 2019. I think this is back with the Covington kids. You remember 
there were at the Capitol for the March of Life, and that one of the kids was wearing a MAGA hat, and he's smiling, and a Native American was beating a drum in his face. And CNN says, oh, look at these kids attacking a Native American. When it turns out they weren't doing anything wrong. The Native American walks up to Nick Sen, and the kid walks up to his face and starts beating a drum. And he was standing there. He didn't do anything. And the media basically put him on trial as a racist with false evidence. And then the real story came out. It's always been suspicious to, of mainstream media, but the real that really sealed the deal for me when I saw that. So in any case, O'Reilly says this: standing with Trump is racist. It's a racist. It is racist regardless of what motivates you to do it. Your desire to see the Supreme Court filled with conservative judges, euthanism for low taxes, whatever it may be, you stand with Trump, you're a racist. End of story. And so Rich Lowry at the National Review called her out on that, and he says, for much of progressive America, if you're wearing the hat, you're suiting up for team racist, to which O'Reilly says, well, yes. Lowry flushes out his column uh, by quoting a number of people who had said as much on Twitter, including me. And she had said, you don't let your kids wear a MAGA hat and then act def defended where they get taken for a racist. And you only tweeted half the tweet. And she says, even person, every person now claiming these those MAGA teens, the Covington kids, have been unfairly judged as racist, is trying consciously or not to place Trump gear and MAGA hats in a natural, neutral category. So what O'Reilly says is that the MAGA hat, even if, to you, make America great again, just means you want economic prosperity, you want things that the Catholic Church would recognize as good, low employment rates, low levels of racial violence and hatred. Even if you think make America great again means promoting particular goods, the Catholic Church would agree with does not matter. It does not matter if the MAGA hat means to you that because you are people with a spouse racist ideology while wearing the MAGA hat, that's what it means to them. So the same thing with the pride flag. The fact that other people say it means racism, racism means Catholic cannot wear it. The fact that for other people, they say that the Confederate flag is racist, cannot, Catholics cannot fly it. I don't put bumper stickers on my car. I don't carry flags. I don't wear a MAGA hat. I don't wear a flag, Confederate flag. I have nothing because my, of my political beliefs I share with people on, in conversation. I don't just put them on my car, put them on my flag or in my yard and things like that. But the point I'm making here is that these people are inconsistent, that they'll say, oh, the pride flag is totally, I'm not contradicting Catholic teaching because it means this to me. But they will not allow someone to make the same explanation of why they wear a mega hat or why they wear a Confederate flag. I'm not saying that the mega hat and Confederate flag are racist symbols. I'm not saying that what I'm saying is that these people will say uh, it is and not allow them to have the explanation. But it does not mean that to me. So sorry, game over on what they will say to Confederate flags and the MAGA hat. But for the pride flag, they'll do all kinds of mental gymnastics to jump around and say, ah, oh, but it means this to me. Just the equality, dignity of LGBT people. No, I'm sorry. In our modern culture, the flag means there's nothing wrong with sodomy. Same-sex marriage is great. And if you say otherwise, you're a bigot opposed to those civil rights. The flag is complete, completely contradicted to what the church teaches. And if you associate it with that, you cause scandal and confusion among people. And you ought not to do that because you should always charitably lead people to truth and not put forward scandalous things that you could mis mislead them into thinking that evil is good and good is evil. We shouldn't do that. So uh, in any case, th that rounds out here in the Pride Month. But if you think Pride... Uh, you see pride flags all year long and certain people's social media profiles flying them in from schools. I know that in the beginning of June, the Nativity School of Worcestershire, Massachusetts, people got mad about that. But he made absolutely the right call because the symbol goes against what students should be taught in their moral theology classes. The two are reconcilable in that regard. Encourage the Catholic apostle dictated to living ch a chaste life. If you have same-sex attraction, courage doesn't use rainbow imagery. Which is a real sign for people 
and they should uh, look it up because they have helped many, many gay people leave that lifestyle. There's also a movie called, um, uh, uh, I think it's, it's a short movie called um, uh, Of the Desired Something. Uh, it's a really good movie that helps gay people to leave that lifestyle because there was three gay people in San Francisco and they all had a call from God and they left lifestyles and now they're living wonderful Catholic lives. Um, every month uh, I do a public rosary out on the, our busiest Sunday section. We're going to do it on the um, Sacred of Jesus this month. We do the rosary. We do the Divine Mercy Chaplet. We're going to do a litany to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. We're going to do a prayer to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I'm going to tell them about pride. And uh, Pride Month, if you put it together, P-R-I-D-E-M-O-N-T-H, if you put P-R-I in small letters and then D-E-M-O-N, demon, and then T-H, that's what puts in the middle of Pride Month, a demon. And that's what it is. It is... Um, it is because Satan was the first one who said, hey, I want to be like God. And uh, one of the angels left with him, turned the uh, angels into devils. That's what happened. Now, um, our guardian angels uh, are everywhere. Uh, we have one individual for each one of us. We have them to help us to do things. They help us to protect us from evil and all harm. They help us to do many, many things. And one of the things that they help us to do is keep from evil. And so flying pride flags and going into the pride parades and stuff like that, your guardian angel should help you from doing, doing those things. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing what happens. Catholicism Rocks, our uh, website, has a whole big thing on uh, putting your heart into the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Um, it's amazing. So uh, I hope that uh, I hope that everyone can I hope that everyone can go to Catholicism Rocks and find out about this because uh, there's so much on there. There's there's tons of stuff. Uh, there's wonderful things that they have on that site, and I hope that you can go there because uh, there's priests that uh, uh, put prayers on there. There's things that they put all kinds of wonderful, wonderful things on that. Um, I gave you the twelve promises of the, um, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And I hope that everyone can understand that how important this is for your salvation, because there's so much that we can do to help us in our request for heaven, because that's what we're on here for. We're on here, we're on here to get to heaven. That's the whole purpose of our life. My mother always told me, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. My mother was right, because that's what counts. It's the things that counts. So uh, there's all kinds of things that we have in, uh, in our society. And I hope that um, you would be able to... Uh, to uh, go into Catholicism Rocks and see everything that we have there because there's so much that uh, you can grow with, you can become a better Catholic with. Uh, there's all about truth and tradition. Um, there's there's so many things that we have that it's, it's amazing. Um, there's forum things. There's monthly devotions. Um for the pro-life pro -life rebel, uh, generation, there's things on uh, rosary rallies. There's a, and a, there's a big miracle that happened in Missouri um, just recently. 
uh, as a Benedictine monastery after news began to spread that the recently exhumed remains of the contemplative order's African-American foundress appeared to be incorrupt four years after her death and burial in a simple wooden coffin. So it's, it's amazing what happens with that. Um, she was um, Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster, OSB, founder of the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. And um, they did a, um, 1995, they did a Gregorian chant in classical Catholic hymn album in 1995. And um, so it's amazing. She was, uh, her devotion was to the traditional Latin mass and her faithfulness to Benedictine contemplation and the liturgy of the hours. She died at age 95 on May 29th, 2019, on the vigil of the Solemnity of Ascension, Ascension left roughly four years later on the Solemnity of Ascension in the Latin Rite, the abbess and sisters decided to move the body to a final resting place inside the monastery chapel, a long-standing custom for founders, founders and foundresses. Expecting to find bones, the Benedictine sisters unearthed their coffin with an apparently intact body. And though the body was not embalmed, and the wooden coffin had a crack down the middle that let in moisture and dirt for an unknown length of time during those four years. We, they said that uh, we think she is the first African-American woman to be found incorrupt. The current abbess of the community, Mother Cecilia, told EWTN's ACI group on Saturday, as the head of the monastery, it was her role to examine what was in the coffin first. The body was covered in a layer of mold, that had grown due to the high levels of condensation within the cracked coffin. Despite the dampness, little of her body and nothing of her habit disintegrated after the four years. The shock was instant for the community who had gathered to exhume her. I thought, uh, I thought I saw a completely full intact foot and I said, I didn't see that, the abbess said. So I looked again more carefully. As she looked again, she screamed aloud, I see her foot. And then the community said they just cheered. I mean, there was just a sense of that the Lord was doing this. There's many, many uh, bodies that have been not corrupted in the Catholic Church. Hundreds of them. Padre Pio. There's a young man named uh, Carlo Acutis, 15 years old, and they moved his body, and he was incorrupt. Uh, there's so many of them. It's amazing when you have all these people that go on. There's so many miracles that happen. Um, you know, there, there's there's just a wonderful thing that happens, you know. And this month, which is dedicated to uh, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, we have to really focus on that this month. The pride is the world, and Jesus said, "Do you want the world or do you want me?" And so we have to say, "I want Jesus." There's prayers, you know, it says in the scriptures, it says to pray without ceasing. Well, there's a way to do that. And all you have to do is say, come Holy Spirit before you do anything. And uh, the Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit's helped me many, many times. So I hope that uh, you can all understand that. And I hope that the Sacred Heart of Jesus will become one with you and that you will uh, put God first in every area of your life because every area of your life is very, very important to put God first in your life because Jesus, you know, the Ten Commandments are, I'm the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. So many people put different gods in front of God, such as their job, such as their wife, such as their, uh, their money, such as their cars, such as their homes, such as their everything. You have to stop doing that and put God first in every area of your life. He can't be in your heart just one little part for Sundays and that's it. No, he has to be in every area of your life. You have to say, come Holy Spirit in every area of your life so that God will become one with you and that you won't have any problems and when you do have problems, and he doesn't promise that we won't have problems, but suffering leads to salvation. And when we suffer, if we join our sufferings with Christ's sufferings, 
then we can offer it for whoever we want. We can offer it for people. There's so many uh, fallen away Catholics. It's the second biggest religion today. <laughs> fallen away Catholics. So when you have family or friends who have left the Catholic Church, ask the Blessed Mother, ask that person's patron saint, if their name is Jonathan, and asking John to help you, or whoever their saint is, ask them to help you to bring them back and ask their guardian angel. You can pray to their guardian angel and ask them to help bring them back into the church. There's a, a lot going on nowadays. Uh, last week I was in the tombstone and a lady came to me and she said, you know, I think God is calling me back. So I gave her a rosary, I gave her a bunch of things, but that's what happens. A lot of people are saying to themselves, I need to get back to God because of what the world is going on now. I mean, it's, it's crazy, the, you know, the transgenders, the gays, the, the abortion, all the things that are going on. It's, it's just insane how so many people are not seeing the light. And the light of Christ has to be in you so that you can walk and share the gospel. Because that's what it says. The uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church says in 1816, it says that sharing of the gospel is necessary for salvation. You can do it by by speaking. You can do it by uh, all kinds of things. There's a video uh, by Father Chris Alar talking about evangelization. Watch that video so that you can see exactly how to bring family, friends, and neighbors back into the Catholic Church. It's it's amazing how much uh, how many people don't understand that really really important fact that it says it's necessary for salvation to share the gospel. So I hope that everyone can see this. I hope you can go to Catholicism Rocks. There's so many sites in them. There's so many things with them. There's uh, so many different things we have our blogs with. We have so many things. Um, um, we have uh, the Ascension. We have all about the uh, St. Catherine teaches today about the power of, power of biblical and uh, responsible investing. <laughs> We've got uh, the real presence of Jesus Christ. Today is the Feast of Christ the King. And that was because on Holy Thursday, we couldn't have a Feast of Christ the King on the Last Supper especially in the sacred tritium. So we uh, instead have it today. And today there's processions all around the country with the Blessed Sacrament marching down streets, down around churches, around every place. And hundreds and hundreds of people following them, singing uh, all kinds of different holy songs. It, it's just a beautiful thing to see that uh, that uh, people understand that the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life, because it is. You know, 150 times uh, the host has turned into real flesh, and the wine has turned into real blood, and it's always been the same type of flesh, the same type of flesh. It was always the left, left ventricle of a heart. And it was a heart, a left ventricle of a heart that had white blood vessels on it, blood cells on it. And so when it has white ones, that means that it's still alive. So that's what's happened with the, when it turned into the flesh. And when it turned into the blood, uh, it was always AB positive. AB positive blood is the only type of blood that can be given to, to anyone no matter what type of blood they are, AB positive. And that's just like Jesus was. He can be given to anyone, which is wonderful. So I hope that everyone understands that the Eucharist, I think Padre Pio said we can live without the, the sun more than we can live without the Eucharist <laughs> because it is amazing how wonderful that is. In uh, Mexico, they had a, a beating heart monstrance where there was breathing like a heart <laughs> and everybody was looking at it and it was amazing 
So anyway, God bless you guys. I'm going to say a prayer. And Lord Jesus, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would have everyone understand the importance of the sacred heart of Jesus in their lives. To put God first in every area of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.